Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 99 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for all things related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm your host, Jesse Burrell, and I am joined, as always, by my usual co-host, Riley McConnell. And Riley, the Blue Jays just went into Philadelphia after the sweep at PNC. We were feeling good leaving Pittsburgh, but these two games just happened in Philly. Man, how are you feeling about that? Well, it's never good to lose a two-game set. Go 0-2, heading into Philadelphia. It's a series we thought that we would split. Mm-hmm. We knew that, you know, we knew that Philly had their their two aces. They went with uh, they went with Wheeler. They went with Nola in game one. So that's you're in tough against against good quality right handed throwers like them. So we knew we had our work cut out for us. And hey, that's baseball, I guess. I I knew the I knew we I said it last time. I knew we were going to have a really low scoring game. That was today. Game two. Extra innings doesn't get closer than that. Mm-hmm. Game one. Totally. Hey, that caught me off guard, man. That caught me way off guard. I did not think that we would get that kind of performance from our starter. I thought it would look a lot better than that. But hey, it's a, it's a two-game series in interleague play. I know we play everybody. The Phillies are a team that we're not going to see a whole lot from here on. But you take it with a grain of salt, Jesse. We had our two best throwers, potentially our two aces on the hill. We're saddled with two losses. We pick up and we go from there. That's right. Today on the show, we are going to dive deeper into the performances that the Blue Jays put together this series, including what we saw from Alec Manoa and some dominant performances from Kevin Gosman. We have to talk about Bo Bichette's throwing error he had in that last game there, plus so much more on this episode. But first, guys, if you're watching us for the first time, what took you guys so long? Good to have you here. Please like the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. You can also follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter as well, where Riley and I will talk to you on there. Always down to talk Blue Jays baseball on the social media platforms. And if you're listening to us in podcast land, please leave us a five-star review, download, share with a friend, leave a positive review, all that fun stuff. It really is the best way to help the show grow. Riley, before we get into diving into more player storylines and all this stuff, I am going to give the quick little game recaps here for those of you who might have missed and or have not been watching. Game one of the series, the Blue Jays lost this game eight to four. The Blue Jays were scoreless through the first two innings. They did take a run in the top of the third, thanks to a Bo RBI double that smacked off the wall. Alec Manoa then gave up two more in the bottom of the fourth and was pulled after giving up another one in the fifth. The Jays were able to battle, were able to get to four, five to four, but then Philly erupted off the Blue Jays bullpen late to take this game eight to four game two of the series. This is the game that just happened this afternoon. As you mentioned, Riley, it was a two to one extra innings win for the Philadelphia Phillies. Kevin Gosman was dominant in this one, six hits or six innings, three hits allowed, no earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts. But unfortunately the blue Jays bullpen couldn't hang on as Jordan Romano blew it in the ninth. And after not being able to score in the top of the 10th with the zombie runner, the Phillies were thanks to a throwing error by Bo Bichette, which Vladdy made close to the plate, but ultimately close does not count. And the blue Jays lose this game two to one. So after this, after the series, the blue Jays record stands at 21 and 16, seven and a half games back of the race for first place. We are now in fourth in the AL East and we're only half a game ahead of the Yankees who are sitting at 21 and 17 for dead last in the AL East right now. So Riley, lots of talking points. So much stuff happened in this little two game series against uh, the Phillies. Where do you want to go first, man? I think the only player to talk about to start things off in this series was the guy that surrounded the, the game sheet on every facet of offense and defense of this series. And that's Bo Bichette. He had an absolutely fantastic game one, two hits, two runs driven in on two very hard hit baseballs. 
still one of the best hitters in baseball, and he's mm-hmm. hitting it to all fields. He absolutely skied one over Brandon Marsh's head uh, for extra bases. Like I said, he drove in two runs. Yes, that didn't help us in the long run. We lost by four runs. A lot of that came down to pitching, and Alec Manoa will definitely get more into that as the episode progresses. But, you know, Bobachet did, did things right in game one. In game two, one for four. That's fine at the plate for what he's been doing. But listen, we got we, when the game's on the line. So, Jess, you've already kind of, you, you know, we didn't bury the lead with this. This is really kind of the deciding moment in this game where Tim Mason made a phenomenal play on the mound, spun, heads up play, fired the ball to second yep, base yep. with a Bo Bichette carrying momentum, you know, across the bag. And that's a play he has to make. Yes, Vladdy, a very athletic first baseman, a very good first baseman, a gold glover at that. And Bobachette just couldn't lock it down, just couldn't pinpoint his throw. And needless to say, we took the L2-1 to in that one. It's a tough, tough loss. I, I don't know where we find the happy medium in this. I mean, Bobachette is a phenomenal offensive player in this, in this league. I mean... I, I'm just going to say it one more time. I think he's going to have the most hits in the American League. I think he might have the most hits in baseball by the time this season's done. And that would be three years in a row for the American League and Bo Bichette. He's that good at the plate. But he plays a premium position in shortstop. I mean, you have to be a serviceable defender if you're going to play short, especially when the game's on the line like that. Like, that's a tough one. We could have took that into, you know, let's say the 11th inning, and then anything goes after that. It's a play that Bo Bichette has to make, and he simply, you know, he didn't sail the throw. It went right, It went to Vladdy's um, right side, and, you know, the ball's pretty well. Like, the ball game's over. As soon as that, yeah. as soon as Vladdy yeah. does not catch the ball, that ball game is absolutely over. And, I mean, a lot's got to be addressed with the defense of Bo Bichette. I mean, listen, you can't say enough good things about this guy on the offensive side of the ball, but when we're losing games based off throwing errors from our shortstop, that's so tough, man. It is so tough to even fathom that. And the sad part is, Jesse, we kind of knew that an event like this was bound to happen with with Bo Bichette's game. We've seen it happen, just not at such, you know, high pressure in the clutch moments. It's a really tough mm-hmm. one. I'm sure Bo's kicking himself in the butt for it. But, hey, you know, we lost both of them. Uh, the first one, you know, was was whatever. You know, we lost by four runs. But this one, it almost felt it was worse. It was worse. Yeah. I know it was yeah. a one-run game, but it was worse. And that's exactly it, too. It's the fact that this happened in the clutch. Now, we had been talking about, hey, how Bobachet's defense has actually looked kind of better. But the big thing that's caused all the errors for Bobachet has been his arm. Now, it had been a while since he had made a throwing error, but that, I guess, what leads you to believe that, yeah, it was due. And that the fact that it happened at this time when Tim Meza did his job, got the ground ball, got the double play ball they needed, and Bobachet just threw it away, that's what stings. I'm having flashbacks to the Marcus Semien error in 2021, where it was a two out in the night. It was a routine ground ball to second. He just he literally just missed the throw to Vladdy and the Jays end up losing that game and ultimately missing the playoffs by one run or by one game. So if this happens this season, we're going to look back to this Bobachette throwing error and really have some bad flashbacks. And honestly, like I've, I've dug up the metrics because that's what I do. But if you look at some of the stuff, Bobachette's arm strength has actually fallen significantly quite a bit. In 2021, his average throw is about 85.8 miles per hour. It's down about three and a half miles per hour down to 82.3 this year. So maybe that's just Bobachette taking some velocity off to make sure it's more accurate or maybe it's just 
he's not a shortstop anymore. Maybe the conversation for us to move him to second base is one worth having. Now we've had this conversation in the off season. We've had it before. I don't think it's going to happen, but like you could really improve this blue Jays team by getting a significantly better shortstop, especially defensively and having Bo Bichette play second base full time. It's tough though. I love a good defensive specialist type of middle infielder. Mm -hmm. Um, Those days are gone though. Like, I mean, everyone is hitting now in, in the lineup, especially with the um, integrated um, universal DH. Like, everyone hits now, man. There's, like, the days of me thinking, like, hey, it's a good year when the catcher hits 215 with eight home runs. Like, those days are done. Like, everyone is hitting um, in every lineup. And, you know, that's what Bo Bichette does is he hits, and he just hasn't <sighs> – you know, I don't. I know that he's got his thing with you know his ego or whatever you want to call it, and that's all fine. He's he's got the swagger and he loves to be the major league shortstop. But I mean, the discussion of team play has to be in there. Like, where if you want to be a Blue Jay, you wanted to be drafted by the Blue Jays. You got drafted by the Blue Jays. You got brought up with your boys. You're playing with the big club. I mean. You got to budge a little bit. And if playing second base is going to help us win more ball games, then, hey, man, it's a no-brainer. It's an absolute no-brainer. Yes, shortstop is the cool guy position and whatever. Bo is the cool guy. But yeah. if we're looking to win ball games here, then a tough conversation might have to take place with, I don't know, Schneider and Bo, maybe throw Bo's agent in there. Um, whoever else wants to get in on the conversation, because I think that, there's a cons- will might be a consensus going around from what what is probably the best move for the team. Baseball, there's nine guys on the field. It's not a one guy thing. Look, I want Bo Bichette to be happy because I hope he stays. You know, I hope he stays his term out here and you know is a 15 year Blue Jay. That's I mean that would be amazing. But um, will it be at shortstop or will it be at an alternative position? It's yet to be decided, man, but um, whatever's going to help us win the most games is the right decision. Yeah, I agree with you. The good news is the bat is still extreme. Three more hard hit balls in game three, even though he went one for four. He is hitting the ball harder than he ever has in his career. So I guess you will live with the poor defense as long as Bo Bichette is still mashing with the stick. But Riley, I wanted to move on to maybe another talking point. You brought up stuff about doing what it takes to win the most ball games, And we have to talk about our manager, John Schneider, and some of the interesting decisions he made in this game. Now... George Springer has been out of the lineup because he's been sick and all reports say it's been quite a serious viral infection. Like some of his teammates even said, like, I can't believe he's even gotten into games at all. And honestly, just from watching George Springer when he's in there, he does look sick. Like he physically does not look well. Apparently this went around for um, Danny Jansen. Yusei Kikuchi had this a little bit as well. So it's going around the clubhouse. But if you've decided that George Springer is going to, to be good enough to pinch hit, you at least need to use him in the best situations. Like in game one, there were two men on and it was against a righty at the time, but they let Santiago Espinal hit against the righty. First of all, not even bringing in Kevin Biggio, who's supposed to be a lefty to hit against righties in this platoon situation. You leave him on the bench, which makes you think, okay, Springer isn't ready to go. Two batters later, Philadelphia brings in Gregory Soto, the lefty Dalton Varsho comes up. Then they decide to pinch hit for him and put George Springer in. And he went three up or three strikes, three pitches, struck out, didn't even look competitive at all. Like you want to leave Varsho in there. And there were a few more times too. I think you said uh, Danny Jansen came in and an interesting spot. And even in game two in today in extra innings with the uh, 
ghost runner or the zombie runner on second base, Kevin Kiermeyer's up, who's been hitting over 300 against right-handed pitching this year. They decide to bring in Alejandro Kirk, who's hitting 242 against right-handed pitching this year. And big surprise, as Alejandro Kirk's done all road trip, he hit a ground ball to the left side of the infield. So if we want to talk about doing what it takes to make sure our, we win the most ball games or that our manager is doing his parts, like, are you worried about the decisions that John Snyder is making here? So this, this these kind of moves reminded me of kind of like a house league ball move a little bit like the, you know, the sharing the, the field kind of idea where you're just kind of subbing in guys willy nilly. Uh, we don't need that in, um, in major league baseball. We need, uh, we need statistics to back up our decisions and those decisions were not backed up. I had, listen, I had a, the one I have the biggest, <clears throat> biggest gripe with was when Dalton Varsho was pinch hit for. And I yeah. know, I know that Varsho is a lefty bat. And I know that, yes, he sometimes can look sick against left-handed pitching, but I can't, it's, it's just a, like for me, and my the way I was brought up around baseball, like he's hitting in the three spot. You simply do not, unless he's injured, you simply just do right. not pinch hit willy-nilly for your three spot hitter. That's your guy. That's the guy that's supposed to be driving and runs for you. The three and the four spot. You just it's just a decision you don't need to 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 make. You're overmanaging the game at that point. And, and then Springer, like you said, yeah, he looked um he he looked not good. I mean this this the th three strikes and then sit down. Like he made an absolutely awful swing on an off speed attempt and, you know, basically stuck his butt in the air and the bat flailing out. It, it's an over it, John Schneider kind of over managed that situation. Uh, maybe to try and get the matchup, but it just didn't make sense to me. Um, and then the other one too, um, Kirk getting pinch or like Kirk stepping in pinch hitting for Kiermaier. Yeah. That one, that one is not uh, like that's not even a, the matchup move you need to make. Like, I mean, we're talking what I was talking about with um, with Varsho facing a lefty like that makes a little more sense, I guess, if it's not Dalton Varsho. But this one with Kiermaier, who had been having a great series up to that point as well. Yeah, and Kirk really had, had been. just been hitting yeah. ground balls. Kirk was just had just been hitting ground balls. And what does he do? Ground out the third. And I think we decided that was the fourth time in the series. He hit a weak ground ball in first pitch. You said too and i think that's the second first pitch grounder to 30 had in in the series which that's not a competitive at, at bat i mean you're just that's you're just giving them an out essentially you're looking you're just getting too hungry up there and for a guy who's hitting 242 against right-handed pitching or whatever whatever his line is for the season i mean and kiermaier has looked great it's another kind of overmanaging move, yeah. in, in my yeah. opinion. This one almost worse in a way because you're getting your you're mixing your matchups completely wrong. I know Kirk does hit righties very well, but at this point in the year, Kiermaier also has been mashing. Yeah, and you go to the Dalton Varsho one. Dalton Varsho is hitting 260 against lefties this year, so it's not like it's nothing, and you could have given him a chance. I don't know. I am a little concerned about uh, John Schneider with his managing. Even uh, going back to the last series in Fenway Park when the Blue Jays struggled, there were times I think he left his starting pitchers in too long. Jose Brios was one, for example, and even just some of the bullpen decisions he's made have been kind of interesting to me. But let's talk about one of those starting pitchers, Riley, and uh, we got to talk about Alec Manoa, Riley, and I don't know about you, 
But I'm genuinely getting concerned now about Alec Manoa. Usually when I see one of these pitchers who just kind of struggles out of nowhere, usually I can look through the data and we can try to figure out exactly what it is that's going wrong here. And there's a lot that's going wrong with Alec Manoa. His slider, or sorry, he threw all these pitches. He only got three whiffs, 7%, which league average is roughly around 25 to 30%. He was down to seven. And his numbers on the season as a whole, Riley, 41 innings pitch. He does have a 4.83 ERA, a 1.66 whip. 13.1 walk percentage, 16.8 strikeout percentage, 20% whiff percentage, 8% swinging strike percentage. His expected stats, Riley, even worse. 635 expected ERA, the FIPS in the high fives, the XFIPS in the high five, the Sierras in the high fives. You see it. He has the worst Sierra and XFIP out of all qualified starting pitchers in Major League Baseball. And the big thing, I know they noted it on the broadcast, we're going to note it here too, is Alec Manoa has just simply lost the slider. Now, I don't know how it happens, right? It went from being one of the best pitches in baseball. We talked about it all offseason with how good Alec Manoa's slider was. It had a negative six run value. It was tied with Justin Verlander's slider, who's really good. This year it is a plus 11 run value, and this is a stat where you want to have the lowest number possible. It is literally the worst pitch in baseball by any qualified starting pitcher this year. And simply the horizontal movement is gone. The location is gone. Like I just do not simply understand how a guy can simply just lose a pitch like that, especially one Alec Manoa had coming through the minors. He had it in college, for goodness sake. He had it for two full years in the major leagues. I just, Riley, I just don't understand how it's physically possible. You can just lose a pitch unless you're hurt. Like, I think that's got to be it. If there's a mechanical issue or he's like physically just can't throw the pitch anymore, that is the only thing I can understand of how Alec Manoa would just lose a pitch like that. It reminds me of Uno when you play that card that has the reverse. Easily had gone to, like you said, it's a first to worst kind of deal. And it sucks because it's one of our guys. And it sucks even worse because it's Alec Manoa. And we've seen, the the problem is we've seen Alec Manoa pitch really, really well. And now we're sitting in this 2023 season and we're watching Alec Manoa. And we're watching him not just struggle. But I would say mightily struggle. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say at at times it seems like he has control over ball games. But a lot of the time, man, there's there are runners on base. There are runs on the board early. These are games that Alec Manoa just, just simply does not have the control in. And literally and figuratively, because you said this strikeout percentage to his walk percentage and i heard two very very close numbers i don't know exactly what they are what you said they were a couple percentages off Mm -hmm. he has just simply walked too many batters yep which is a control issue yep and and then you get into how hard he's been hit this year and that may be a location issue um that could be um, a movement issue if you want to talk about a slider and the non-movement it has i mean it's not his longevity. I mean, yes, he has struggled. I mean, he's thrown 100 pitches in like three out of the last four starts. I mean, that's something. I mean, that's not sure. good. They weren't great pitches, but we can take it away as a good thing. Like his arm's not falling off after, you know, 400 pitches in, in four starts. But at the same time, too, like you worry about Alec Manoa because the line on the season, he's just under a five earned run average, a, a, a one six walker hits per nine. Like those aren't good numbers. And with the, with the fielding independent pitching in the fives, 
Like those yeah. are just disgusting yeah. numbers. And it's almost unbelievable that he could go from, you know, where he was last year and really fall off. And I don't know if it's a physical, I don't know if it's a mechanical, I don't know if it's a mental thing with the slider, but yes, it's, it's, it's almost like I forgot he, at this point, Jesse, because yes, I'm was never a pitcher. So pitches, you know, are kind of whatever for me, but if this, if he doesn't pick it up, we will forget that that slider ever existed. And then from there, like, are you going to develop into a sinker sinker baller? You got to, you got to develop a good secondary repertoire of pitches. And he's just simply leaving too much stuff. That's easy to hit over the heart of the plate or he's making non-competitive pitches. And he did that a lot in his start in that eight to four game. He made a lot, a lot of uncompetitive pitches when he needed to throw a strike. Like you just go from walking 6.5% of your batters in 2023 up over 13% one year later. Like Riley, remember last year we watched you say Kikuchi pitch and he was dog awful and he couldn't, he was walking everybody. Alec Manoa is walking more than what you say Kikuchi did last year. And that is just absolutely not like unheard of. Now, sometimes this does happen with pitchers. Sometimes they just lose it. I remember Luis Castillo of the uh, Cincinnati Reds just lost it for a while. Then he was able to get it back. So there is a chance, right? And if you're going to bet on anyone, you're going to bet on Alec Manoa. But I will say, man, I do not feel good about Alec Manoa right now. And we'll get to Kevin Gosman here in a second here. But I want you to rank our five starting pitchers. Say the Blue Jays are going into a playoff series tomorrow. Rank the starting pitchers one through five and what order you want them starting a playoff game. So the first one is is easy. I mean, it's the guy that's next on our docket, and that yes. is Kevin Gosman. Correct. I can't wait to I can't wait for some hype to actually talk about <laughs> how he pitched today because it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, if the playoffs started tomorrow or in September, I would hope that maybe we make a move at the deadline or Hunjin Ryu makes some spectacular return to baseball. But let's go with for the sake of making this interesting, Jesse. Let's let's say that we go Gosman. Let's say that we keep Manoa in that two spot right now I because so? it is Alec mm-hmm. Manoa. I, I put hey, what are our choices, man? What's the matchup? Yeah. Do we want Kikuchi? Is it a is it a lefty savvy lineup who we're playing? Do we want you say Kikuchi? There's a lot of hypotheticals in this because I would love to say Kikuchi if it's a lefty savvy lineup. I would like to say what were Barrios' last couple starts? Maybe we go Barrios too. Okay. Do we go Bassett? I don't really think I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in Bassett. You want my true opinion, Jesse? I do. Without I throwing do. Manoa there. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm going Gosman. I'm going Kikuchi. I'm going Barrios. Wow. That's that's what I'm saying. And it sounds ridiculous. Wow. I could hear it in the papers for this. But that's that's Jesse, what we're dealing with. You if we're walking into a playoff game tomorrow and we're going on our most recent performances, this is what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying to you, Jesse. I would still probably put Chris Bassett number two, but it's I do not feel confident about the Blue Jays starting pitching. And the thing is, too, there's nobody in Buffalo who's like strike. I guess Bowden Francis is pitching good for the Bisons right now. But do you really want Bowden Francis being a member of your rotation full time? I don't know if you do. So that's the thing with Manoa. He's going to get a starts every fifth day. He's going to get a long leash to figure this out unless he does go to the IL for an extended stint. So we'll see how it goes. But Riley, we've been too much on the negative. Let's get to the positive. Um, we got to talk about Kevin Gosman today, and this was well needed. It sucks the Blue Jays couldn't get a win out of this one, but 
He was back at, at it again in this one. Six innings pitch, three hits, no earned runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, Riley. He's now made eight starts this season. He's allowed zero earned runs in five of his eight starts, which is fantastic from your SP1. His fastball, Riley, was the best it's ever been. He threw a fastball as fast as 99 miles per hour to Nick Castellanos. That is the fastest pitch he threw as a Toronto Blue Jay in this start. And even his uh, splitter was throwing a little harder as well. And we had um, someone on Twitter look up the numbers. Chris Bass, or not Chris Bassett, um, Kevin Gosman was going on an extra day's rest here. And here's how his stuff performs. His fastball, for example, when he's making his regular turn in the rotation every fifth day, opponents hit about 353 against it. It's got about a 92.5 average exit velocity or average velocity, not exit velocity. And it's about a plus four run value. When you give Kevin Gosman that extra day of rest, Opponents only hit 200 against that fastball. He throws it even better, about a mile and a half faster at 94.1 for a negative four run value. And you can even look at other stuff too. Like look at his ERA. When he gets that extra day of rest, his ERA is 0.79 compared to our normal rest, 9.64 ERA. His whip, 1.86 on normal rest. His whip with the extra day, 0.79. Everything else looks good. The strikeouts, the walk, all that stuff looks better with extra days rest for Kevin Gosman. So maybe what I'm thinking here is, Maybe you give Kevin Gosman that extra day. It's tough because he's clearly our best starting pitcher and you want him pitching all the time if he is your best starting pitcher. But if he's going to be this dominant on an extra day's rest, maybe the Blue Jays try to acquire a spot start here. Maybe we go out and get an extra arm or something just to give Kevin Gosman these extra days rest um, so he can perform. Do you have a thought on that at all, Riley? Yeah, so the biggest thing here, what I'm gathering is, is Gosman would not have been a good pitcher in the 1920s and 30s. If uh, he's he probably going, still would have been. But you know. well, he, he, I guess ERA uh, estimators back then would have had him at about, I think four was a high ERA back then in the dead ball era. Who are we kidding? But um, yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to Jesse. The conversation we just had not four minutes ago, yeah. I am fine with acquiring a spot starter. I think we have to. That is totally fine by me. Now, as far as prices we got to play, that's to be determined. Whatever. Let's just pretend that we can just create a player and toss him out. Like, what what are we looking for? We're just looking for a serviceable guy like that is just going to give us five innings and hopefully the bullpen can take care of the rest. I mean, that's what we thought Kikuchi was going to be this year. I mean, mm-hmm. hey, there's a chance that, you know, things can change. Um, but I would like a pitcher of that caliber as well. Like, because we're kind of, we're thinner than people say. I've heard, I've heard shows say that aren't Blue Jays related. I've heard them say that we have a deep rotation and that's, Maybe just kind of looking from the outside, like thinking that God, maybe they're still really fearing Gosman, which is a good thing. Let them think, or sorry, Manoa, my bad, fearing Manoa. Let them fear Alec Manoa. You know, I mean, Gosman stats back it up. You open the MLB page right now, you're going to see Kevin Gosman on close to the top of almost every single major leaderboard right now. And, And yeah, Jesse, I would really enjoy a spot starter of some sort just to take some pressure off a guy like Kevin Gosman if he's going to do the, just you know something on on you know more than his regular rest period every 6 days would be great and have him you know fire off uh, 
uh, you know, seven shutout innings. Like, yeah, give give him what he needs. And I'm not opposed to finding another arm anyways, Jesse. We're going to have to. We'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully the Blue Jays don't wait too long into the season. Like, get it done now. The AL East is so tight. Like, make your move now and go ahead and do it. Um, but some other player performances I wanted to make sure I mentioned. I thought Tim Meza has been excellent, especially coming out of the bullpen. He was good today. He's been good even against right-handed pitchers too. Um, I wanted to throw some Tim Meza some love. Jimmy Garcia had a good bounce-back appearance here today as well. He got a clean in a pressure situation. I was kind of nervous seeing him come in today, but he was able to get the job done there as well. And we mentioned Alejandro Kirk with all the ground outs and whatnot. And uh, there was another, Oh, Brandon belt was the other one hit a home run today. And he's really looking like we talked about him a lot last episode. So we don't need to talk about him much here now, but he really looks like he cemented his spot in that lineup. He is heating up just, he's been crushing everything. So good from him. Do you have a thought on those two relievers or Brandon belt? Riley, just real quick. No, uh, it's good to see belt kind of turn things around. Um, Garcia needed that. I think, I think there was a lot of, people ready to start an angry mob at, at Garcia and to Mesa, I'm honestly not surprised. And we need our, really our only lefty. We need him to, we need him to be going and be throwing well. And he did in those, in those two thirds of innings pitched, like he, he did what he had to do. And it sucks that he was saddled with that loss. I'll bring it back to that throwing error, but it sucks that he was saddled with that loss today. That it's funny how those extra innings work with that um, with that ghost runner out on second base. A lot can happen, and you've got to play some tight defense behind. But Mason made a great play, and it's out of his hands from there. But um, I do hope to see both of those guys. I want to see hey, – listen, I want to see Garcia pitch. I know how good he can be, and I really hope he continues that as as well. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I'm still quite confident. Even Anthony Bass, I thought, too. We haven't talked about him much these last few episodes, but I think he has started to figure out something as well. So let's uh, just maybe a little spoiler. Keep trying that to see if Anthony Bass can put it together here as well. I do have some injury updates. Speaking of which, speaking of that bullpen, reliever Adam Simber threw a bullpen session and, quote, felt pretty good, says John Schneider. He will get into a rehab appearance here in the coming days here. Mitch White is continuing his rehab appearance. He allowed a run on six hitch with seven strikeouts on Sunday. He's going to make another start probably on Friday or Saturday for the Buffalo Bisons. And we mentioned it before, but Ricky Tiedemann has been officially put on the minor league IL and he's going to be out quote, a matter of weeks with the uh, biceps injury, but honestly it could have been worse. So the fact that Ricky Tiedemann will be shut down, let's say it's about a month or so. Um, and he comes back normal and he comes back as normal self. He could be in line to join the Blue Jays at the end of the year. But again, you've mentioned it before. You never like to see arm fatigue or arm problems with their young phenoms, especially a guy who hasn't gone through Tommy John surgery yet because we know it might be coming and that would be devastating for the Toronto Blue Jays. So any of those piece of injury news catch your attention, Riley? Yeah, of course you want to like, I'll keep it brief. You just at all costs. There's nothing more important right now for Ricky Tiedemann than rest and relaxation and getting back to the top of his game. And yes, of course, as much as the guy wants to be on the hill pitching, the most important thing is to be able to now bounce back from this injury and not let it affect you long term. This isn't this isn't a 34 year old trying to get back into the game of baseball. This is a young kid. Um, still very much trying to pave his way to the big leagues. So all the best in his recovery as it is still, you know, it will, it, it's a month isn't a long time for him. I'm sure it feels like an eternity, but hoping for, uh, you know, a speedy recovery for Ricky Tiedemann because a very important piece of this organization. Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays could absolutely use him sooner rather than later. 
Um, Riley, anything else to add before we call it an episode here today? No, uh, like you said, Jesse, real tough series. Number 99, though. No, episode 99, looking forward to yeah. that 100, Jesse. We almost have hit that milestone. It's been an excellent journey, my friend. And, hey, not all episodes are fun. This one, very mixed feelings. Let's Correct, hope yep. we kind of have something to look forward to for our 100th episode. But, um, hey, no guarantees there. No guarantees. I have fun doing this. But God, man, I'll just end on this. How tough is the American League East? I've been yeah, saying man. it since I was 10 years old. And it just things never change, man. Holy cow. Never do. That'll do it for episode here today, guys. Please remember to like the video on your way out. Subscribe to the channel. Leave us those five-star reviews. All that fun stuff on your way out here. You can interact with Riley and I. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. We are all that stuff as well. We're passionate Blue Jays fans. We'll talk Blue Jays baseball with you. Until then, that's all I got. We'll see you on Sunday night with episode 100 and our recap against the Atlanta Braves. And I'm hopeful if the plan comes together, we're going to have something fun for that episode. So we'll see you guys then. Let's go Blue Jays.